You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. Today on the 90-10 rule, we discuss the intersection of music and technology. But first this. I could just be in my feelings, yeah, yeah. I could just be in my feelings, yeah, yeah. I could just be in my feelings. Situation is leading. You got me in my feelings, yeah, yeah. Who's on your line, girl? Who you entertain when I'm not around? All on my mind, girl. You supposed to be just holding me down. You supposed to be the queen with the crown. Suppose it ain't really a fault I haven't given you much to hold on to Baby, hold on to me This is more than just jealousy I don't wanna believe That you could be just like me You got your sneaky ways But who am I to judge you Listening to the 9010 rule, and this is Versim's new single, In My Feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Jordan, Brian Jennings, and myself, Kevin Davis, we are the 9010 Rule, and welcome to another episode. Well, you know, this this show is dedicated to the idea that the music industry, contrary to popular belief, is 90% business and only 10% music. As bad as that may sound, though, the 10% really still leads the night the other 90 it does well, well it's supposed powerful. to it's yeah. the product right it is but people but we want to make sure that people don't get thrown off and just get so caught up especially as an artist you know nowadays artists don't get the benefit of being able to be all about the music they really have to be entrepreneurs right at this point you know yeah yeah absolutely well, but you know that's interesting because i've always i've always had the belief that you have to either do art or you have to do commerce there's no such thing as art and commerce it's becoming one now. Well, actually, it's tough to do both. Like, I can't... If I write a song, I'm in, I'm in creative mode. Right. When I'm talking business, I'm in business mode. I can't do both. But I think there's so many artists that At do both now. I mean, 
I know Brian's not going to feel this, but Beyonce is the, an example of <laughs> an artist that, it, you know, the times have changed. You don't have the luxury of being able to do one. And I, see, Artists I, have to do both. I would say that's just the illusion. I think that there's really a really in, very intelligent and savvy team behind Beyonce that make all the, the motors and gears spin. I, I couldn't, I don't agree with that. I mean, I'm not saying that she makes every decision, obviously, on her own. But what I do think is the fact that her work ethic speaks to the fact that she knows that this is not just about being on stage and singing a song. The fact that she's driving dancers to be ready to go. I mean, she tours. I don't think she comes off tour. I, you know, I, I think that that lends itself to the idea that she does understand that right. she is working from a business side also. Now, of course, I don't think you can be at, at, at the height of both. But I do think that artists, because as we're talking about today on the show the whole switch from millennials is really merging the two, you know? So we have mm-hmm. a guest coming on that's talking about how music and tech is really merging. So it's really showing how artists have to be willing to take their take their product, take their art, and underst- understand the commercialization of it as they, you know, as they are creating. But you know what? Even in terms of building your team, because everyone is going to have their own role, and I think a lot of the people that are around Beyonce and other artists... I'm sure they used to sing or they used to rap or something of that nature. So they're still like this is another manifestation of their creative outlet. So no, they know that they can't be Beyonce. They're not trying to be Beyonce, but I'm going to support Beyonce by doing this because music is what I love and I'm good at business. Does and that make some sense? Of them. It's some of them because you could be an example of that, but I'm, I've worked with musicians and I have never had an ever any type of dream of being a musician, but I understand the the marketing side of it. You know what I mean? So I think it just depends on the person, but I also believe that artists end up usually firing their team at different times. So really a great artist has to be the head of their ship and they have to really have, they have to have the vision themselves. I actually, when I consult artists, I give them that. I tell them, hey, you know what? You have to know every single job. You don't have to know it as an expert, but you have to know it. You have to know what a manager does. You have to know what an entertainment attorney is responsible for because if you have no idea, how do you hire somebody to do it? How do you know if you hired the right one? But something else that caught my attention. So, Kev, is that the reason why you joined the Beehive for your Beyonce moment? What? No, I, I joined the Beehive because Beyonce is the hardest working woman in show business, right. bar none. One day she's going to be in like Charlotte or something. Kevin, from the Beehive, she's going to bring nah, her on stage. Nah, and, you, not, you never going to catch me like front row at, at the Beyonce show. I'm, I'm snatching her off the stage and got security. Oh, no, he's okay. He's okay. It's not going to be me, to be. He prefers to be on the floor, but nah, towards man. the back. Where, where are you nah, going? Man. Where are you going as for Halloween? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in the back. I know you going as a B. I'm gonna be in the back with ho with my brim low, yo. Okay, okay. And some do say. But okay, so what we're talking about the separation of art and commerce. I think that our guest today, um, when you do have to hire someone, when you do have to find somebody that's intelligent in that field, I think that our guest today provides that field, the the marketing side of it. You know, you can take your foot off the gas a little bit. When he's on your team Right Absolutely I, I actually um, You know uh, Dave Melheda Was a really good friend of mine um, the, the guest is going to be Joining us And I actually You know Sat down with him About some ideas For artists An artist I'm working with Because I knew 
I understand marketing, but he definitely has the emergence of the tech side. And I think that it's important to be able to find people that are smarter than you, that are smarter than you in the areas that they are concentrated in. So I think it's important for artists. To, you have to know a little bit of everything, but understand when you find someone who specializes in something and allow them to lead that part of your team. And you know what? Let's go ahead and bring Dave into the conversation, man, because Brian just tried to check my manhood on the beehive. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go on and get into this real quick. We're going to talk offline, brother. Having the conversation that we've been having, we are super excited to welcome to the 9010 Rule, Dave Melhado, who is the COO, a part COO of Intiku, a tech company, and also, as I met him, uh, manager for Verse Simmons, one of the hottest uh, song singer-songwriters out there, and um, doing his thing, has been grinding with Verse for quite a while, and also, um, as we said, one of the pioneers on the tech side. So without further ado, welcome, Dave thank Mojito. You. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, re- I-, I listen to some of y'all podcasts and I really think this is a really dope concept also. So definitely honored to be one of the, you know, first couple people that you have on the show. So I- I'm really excited. Thank you. So before we get into this big music tech conversation, we got to, you know, because the last time I think I saw you, we were in the Virgin Islands with Rock City and Verse. We were out, we were in the islands and, and we saw Verse perform. He's, he's got a lot going on. He had a single come out. So tell us a little bit about what you guys have been working on and then we'll get into this, this other conversation that we know our listeners are excited to hear. Yeah, cool. Um, well, Verse, he's been, for the last couple of years, he has been writing songs. Like, so Verse was introduced into the music business as a artist. Um, he had uh, a deal with Interscope and a deal with Def Jam. And after our, our deal with Def Jam, we realized that we had to take a different, uh, take a different course. So he started going back to where he started with the, the songwriting. So he wrote five songs on Chris Brown's uh, X album, then uh, wrote songs for Usher, uh, Trey songs, uh, Kelly Rowland, a number of the artists, and he just kind of really started harnessing in on his creativity. He didn't want to be boxed in by what the labels wanted him to do, and we supported that. And now he's getting back to his artistry, um, and we're getting ready to put out an independent project. In about two weeks, we're still trying to get some logistics together um, called To All the Girls. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. So now Verse has put out a few of his own projects, a, f- a few singles on his own, correct? You yeah, because we, we always felt like it's important and to fans and you can dictate when you want to put out music as an independent artist. So um, we've put out, consi- consecutively put out, uh, consistently, consistently put out music for like the last three months just to kind of build that kind of anticipation and buzz up again. Right, right. I like the situationships. I thought that was very, uh, very uh, uh, yeah. telling of what's going on <laughs> with the culture yeah. right now. Yeah, that's one thing about Verse. Like, he really takes an, an approach where it's, it's got to be honest to his life, you know? So he's real honest in his music. So I definitely support that, and I, I believe in, in his, his method. What brought you to management? Um, well, I got into management because when I got out of school, well, while I was in college, I did an internship with uh, the Marlin Brand Agency in Atlanta. Um, so that was my first crash course. Uh, JD's dad, Jermaine Dupree's dad, uh, Michael Malden had 
Bow Wow, I think Common, uh, Bone Crusher at the time. And I got a chance to come in to help uh, bring in marketing sponsorships for the Scream 4 tour. So being as an intern and just trying to find different ways to kind of, you know, add some value, that's how I kind of started picking up on some of the things with, with artist management and had that first real, like, love and interest for the uh, being in the business side of the music business. Well, that's it's funny because um, the, the Scream Tour was probably one of the biggest, well, biggest grossing urban black, Huge. you know, concerts. Yeah. And it actually was one of those things where I remember the merchandising. I remember I came down as a journalist and interviewed all the artists and, you know, it was a lot of articles written about everybody and that. So that was like one of those movements where there were there were opportunities for those artists to make money outside of their sales because they were all doing so much merchandising. And I think that kind of like, and it also was a great thing for younger artists because it gave them, their, before that, there really weren't tours set up right. that specifically catered to younger audiences, which really was ingenious. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Marlon and JD have always been genius with young artists because... There was no place for them to go, but those are the ones that sell out, you know, halls because kids will, parents will pay whatever yeah. for kids to come and see the, the musicians. So that was yeah. really ingenious. That, at that time, it was the only one that was catering to that niche. Right. Like that demographic, all kids, teenage, teenage teeny boppers. And during that time, radio and 106 and Park was all Bow Wow, all Marion, B2K. All the young artists really had their wave at that time. So I think that that's why the, the Scream Tour had so much success. Even Sierra was on one of the yeah. versions of the, the Scream Tour. I remember Tour. that one. I was working with Sierra then. Yeah. So, so, yeah. That, so that's why, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. Or Bow Wow. Is that what you <laughs> this, this is why it puts you in a position to capture the marketing that Intiku does. So I think the, the number one business rule is meet the unmet need. Mm-hmm. You had already you already recognized that there was no platform for a young tour. This is something that was brand new. You were the pioneer in, in that. So then to find a way to market to those people to be kind of like the liaison or the the um, interpreter between those the market of young people is is that how Intiku came about? Came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, about three years ago, I really started diving into books and trying to figure out what made. Uh, entrepreneurs really successful and I figured that if I can become a approach the music business as a successful entrepreneur then that would help me in advising my clients so when we realized that there was so much conversation about millennials and young people in the media and we felt like man I'm, I'm 32 years old right now and I'm considered a millennial <laughs> and I felt like there's so much that they were saying about millennials that wasn't necessarily true. So I said, well, let's create a platform where we can kind of change that narrative. And, you know, we created programming that was going to engage millennials and we do it in a way that millennials would be engaged. So exactly right. Like, so the Scream Tour, they created a tour that went into these cities where there was early shows so that teenagers can go to them and they put the biggest teen stars on because there wasn't something for the teenagers to do. So in, in business in itself, once you're able to solve problems, that's when you'll find the most success. If you can solve a problem or look for it to satisfy needs, then you'll always have value. Don't look at it from, don't get married to the product, get married to the purpose. Right, right. Drop the gems today, right? Yeah, I feel like we need like the Funk Master Flex bomb or something. You know, we need some sound effects. Yo, major key. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, okay, so so after, you know, after uh, that experience, and I know you're working right now, tell us some of the ways, because when, when we talked earlier on the phone, you were saying, you know, there are so many ways that um, artists, you know, can make money outside of just record sales and even probably downloads. Talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that you guys have been working on that you're trying to cultivate or that you've been able to cultivate, you know, with Intaku. Right. Um, well, I, I believe, like, right now, we're in the, like, direct-to-consumer uh, society, right, or marketplace. So, like, in the music standpoint, it's directly to fans. So artists can create their own website. They have their own marketing stream, which is their social media platform, and they can push any kind of content that they want through those those channels. So that provides a unique opportunity for uh, artists to be able to create products. And I think that a lot of artists now, some artists are starting to get it, um, but a lot of artists haven't caught on to the idea that you can sell anything to your fans, you know, especially if you know who your fans are, you can create products specifically for them that is outside of the music that accompany the, just the music. So now these things are going to drive the, uh, like you're, you're giving, giving, giving so much, so much value in other products that things that they like that they won't feel as bad if having to spend $9 on your CD when you drop it. Right. So it's like you're baiting them, um, and kind of giving them so much value, they feel like they're almost, they have to come and support you as an artist at that point. So I think that from merchandise, from creating hats to t-shirts, that's the easiest thing in the world to kind of create. You can throw it up on a, a Shopify website, pay $9.99 a month, and they handle all the analytics. You can see who's on your website, uh, what time they're coming onto your site, where they're from, like we put up songs online and we can see that Verse has a lot of fans in Africa, a lot of fans in France, but it's only because we paired what we know is putting out music and content, but also looking at the data and the analytics. So there's so many things that you can study as an artist and, and kind of utilize those tools to kind of really maximize how you're going to build your revenue streams. Right. right. An- analytics, y'all. So if you're listening to this right now, you don't know what analytics are. Learn what analytics are. Look that up. That is my, my bad. I'm talking. I'm talking kind of high level. I got no, 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 no. no, no, no. That, that's what I want. I want you to spark their interest. If they've never heard of that, that's something that's very important. So I want you to know those words. However, be, you know, you you basically said there in the beginning that a lot of artists are now catching on to it. So I know you've seen all the horror stories. Tell me what you think is bad marketing from what you've seen so far. Yeah, you have to kind of create products that are organic, and I think that a lot of times artists really try to push well. Not artists. Labels try to push songs and, and artists down your throat. Right. And they try to they invest all this money into an artist, and they don't realize why the artist is not taking off. They put all this money, uh, $150,000, $200,000 in this campaign for one song, but then the artist mm. doesn't, uh, it doesn't equate to any real sales. or right. it doesn't, they, The artist can't go on tour and it's going to sell out a show. But the artists who are organically creating their own content that are, are being themselves, are catering to their fans and know that, nah, my fans don't me- really mess with that. So I'm not going to do that. Like Kaylani's a perfect example. Like Kaylani, she created a project where it, she was signed to Atlantic, but her, her fan base came so organically. Like right. she was herself. Like she, she really put so much honesty into her music and then into all the, the merchandise so when she went on tours, she was selling out multiple nights in the city, you know, that, right, right, right. that most artists can't do. And, and it's just changing, it's shifting. The labels, were take, the artists are taking the power out of the label's hands. Right. The labels can't necessarily do what the artists 
the the creative artists can do. Right. And I think, you know, the one of the transformations also is that labels have always been, you know, it's just been have had a history of, you know, we're just going to throw this up in the air and see who catches it. But yep. it takes so much money to do that. With yep. with people now doing, trying to do things on their own, give us an idea what you think of a, a good way to, on a shoestring budget, to just start the process. What's the easiest way to start the process? Um, well, like in technology, they have this thing where they're like, yo, if you want to create an app or create a startup company, you create an a MVP and that's a minimum viable product, right? You can do the most minimal thing as an artist. You can create your own social media platforms. You can create free accounts where you can put merch up there. You can uh, use Bandcamp and, and things like that where you can kind of dictate the price. You can let music out for free. SoundCloud, which is a social media kind of kind of platform for music streaming, like you utilize all the low-hanging fruit and put all your content through those channels and you just drive it and drive content. Like now it's, it's like microwave right now. You can heat something up real quick and then by next week, end of next week, no one's really talking about that song anymore, right? right? right. So now you have to consistently be putting content, whether it's music, whether it's videos, whether it's uh, social media videos, Snapchat contests or Snapchat things on Snapchat to engage people uh, or engage your fans. Um, just so many ways that you can use just the free tools that are right in front of you as an artist to kind of build your fan base and, and kind of grow organically. So let me, I, let me ask you this, like for artists that are, that are starting things like that, because, you know, you may try something that may not work, you know, like you mentioned Kalani being able to, you know, really connect with her fans on an organic level. How would an artist know kind of when they've hit that sweet spot and what they're doing is working? Like, what should they be looking for? Because a lot of times you could be doing something, you stop, right? It's getting ready to take off, but you may stop and get discouraged if it doesn't go as quickly. So how can they know, okay, this is working, it's taking a little bit of time, because organic things usually do, um, but how will they know when they've reached that sweet spot and they need to keep being consistent? Well, I mean, look at DJ Khaled, right? DJ Khaled, to me, is a marketing genius. There's not too many campaigns that DJ Khaled puts out that don't catch fire. The reason why is because he's consistent. Like there's a, there's uh, in any campaign, there's that first wave where you're excited and then you're going to catch a dip where that's the time where people can fall apart, like fall away from your campaign. But you have to kind of drive and stay consistently through that, through that curve. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you do that, now you're in the open road. And that's what DJ Khaled consistently does. So for an artist that, is getting discouraged, there's a lot of things that you can do. You can do experiment in a whole bunch of different ways and try to fail as many times as you can. I love Because that. then you can use that as feedback, right? So now you know that, okay, well, me spamming everybody on Facebook or me spamming everybody on Instagram is not going to work, so maybe I need to do this. But when I post at 12 o'clock, I get the highest engagement on Instagram. So every time I put, put out a video, I'm going to put it at 12 o'clock. And that's the thing that I was saying, like the analytics, right? They have a, a free tool called Google Analytics. So now you know exactly who your, your fans are. Because if you don't know who your fans are, how do you know like, how to engage them? Right. And that's the most important thing. And I know it's, it sounds like it's so much mathematics and science to this thing, but it really, like it's, it's those small little things is what's going to help you stand apart as an artist. And that's what your management, of course, as an artist, you're not going right. to, you're focused on creating, but your management, your marketing, people that's on your team that specialize to promote you, those are the things that they have to kind of be tapped into and be able to keep you on track because 
if you're not consistent, nobody else is going to believe it because right. you don't even believe it enough to stay on track with it. And I think that nowadays, um, you know, you mentioned Google Analytics, which is kind of the beginning of all that. But pretty much every website worth their weight has some type of metric system. I know Squarespace does it for their website owners. Mm-hmm. SoundCloud does it for their their upload. I mean, their content providers. So pretty much anywhere you're at, you can find metrics if you want them. Yeah, and Ryan Leslie has this platform, the super I, I, app. I, I, the, the, um, yeah, 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 exactly. So. Ryan Leslie is taking so much data from his fans. Yep. He's going to, he, he allows you to subscribe directly to him. You can't find his music nowhere else. Exactly. You have to subscribe through Ryan Leslie's platform. Yep. But to, in order to get this, this music, you have to give him so much information, right? Wow. He's asking you, what do you like? What, what kind of things do you do in your city? Like he's asking you questions. So now he right. knows how to create products for you. And he can also use the, the data that he receives from that particular app. I'm very familiar with that app, by the way. That the, the data he receives from that app allows him to decide where he's going next. He can, yep. look, he can look in his app and determine where all of his users or listeners or fans are really peaking right now. And he can set up a, a, a quick tour in that little region or that little area. Not just that, though. He can offer specific merchandise to just those people he can do like quick things like very fast things like it's like a cheat code like he's got a cheat code yeah it's an awesome app and you know that's another thing you should look up some of these interviews ryan leslie's been doing because that he's changing the game to me as far as direct to consumer he's he's taking out every middleman that there ever was Mm -hmm. and it's just him and his app innovation (laughs) innovation is a key and being aware of the trends that's really important for your success in the music business and you know i think that you can mess around and spend a lot of money, especially if you're independent. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You can spend a lot of money and not have no way to make it back if you don't have no real plan. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and if, you, if you're not spending your money, you're on some, the hook with somebody else, they're going to be really upset. And I think that these are the things that help you save some of that money. And then, of course, in this, in this whole process, you're building relationships so that way you can kind of barter some things and kind of use add value to somebody else so that they come and add value to you and your situation. But, you know, I think that artists, to be successful in the future, are going to have to be really innovative. And they're going to have to be, uh, they're going to have to embrace being themselves and embrace being in a whole different space that no, someone else might not believe at first. And kind of build up those evangelists mm-hmm. and, and, and tap into all your fans emotionally. So that way you build these emotional connections with your fans. And that's what's going to separate all the, the artists that are going to be the most successful in the future. You got some great quotes from this interview. Yo. <laughs> I, loved, I love some of the stuff that you're saying. Seriously, like tapping into them emotionally and then also just being, you know, I'm I'm old school PR. So, I'm, you know, it's from the date where you don't want your artist to fail publicly. Like that could be, right. that was like suicide when an artist came out and, and flopped. You know, a lot of times people didn't want to be next to it. But now because things move so quickly, you can put out an album that's a dud and then, you know, by the end of the year have a single that's hot and people have forgotten it. So you're right. You need to fail as many times as possible to find out what works for you because it's not going to be held against you like it was years ago before we had the internet and, you know, people change, you know, music is, is, is constantly being released. So that's, that's a, that's a really good point. Man, a month ago, people were, were talking about Frank Ocean and saying, oh, he's never going to put out his album. Frank Ocean, Frank Ocean put out two albums. He like, sure did. In two weeks. Yeah. I mean, or in one week, he put out two, like two albums. And right? one of them was a visual album. So one of them was a visual <laughs> album that satisfied his Def Jam requirements as an album. Right. And then he released the Blonde album independently. 
So just knowing the business and and knowing that you know I I'm going to dictate how my fans get my music. He did that, you know, and that's you only do that by taking your time, but then also being strategic, knowing what you're trying to accomplish from putting out this project. And I think, man, Frank Ocean's team is is like they masterminded the whole thing. Now Universal's changing the whole system, mm-hmm. not allowing artists no to do it, no exclusives yep. <laughs> to, to any streaming platform. And that's what you. That's the power that artists need to have. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I think the analytics kind of really bring that back in our hands because, like, even even if you're not an artist, let's say you just had a, a hot dog stand or you were doing some other form of business. <laughs> a lot of business owners, that's their struggle is marketing, is yeah. trying to figure out how do I reach my customer. And for music, like, it used to be SoundScan where you can go and you used to cost you a ton of money to be able to get a membership to log in and get that data but now you have YouTube and you have these other platforms where you can access that data yeah. and for like for me as a booking agent it you, it helped me to be able to tell me okay this is where I should call right. like artists would say yeah man book me some shows book me some shows okay where are you hot exactly mm-hmm. like why am I calling Oklahoma if you're hot in Florida right. I need to be calling Florida right. you see what I'm saying yeah. so I don't know Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I was listening with one of my boys. He's a radio personality, and he told me that his boss picks the songs based off of Shazam. So he'll go into the markets <laughs> and look at what songs are top Shazam songs. Right. So he's not taking no chances on. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this might right. be hot. Right. He's playing what he knows that fans want to hear. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's. That's just exactly what it is, right? You gonna you if you went on the corner and you started selling hot dogs like you said, but people don't eat hot dogs on that side of town. Then right. you gotta move your stand to the other side of town. Right. Right? And you gotta know you gotta if or you gonna stop selling hot dogs over there and you're gonna sell what they want over there. Exactly. Right. And then go sell hot dogs in the area where they want hot dogs. And that's just that's the freedom of being an artist. Now you can create and give the fans what they want. You know, and I think that like this, this artist that will drop a rap album. So there might be, they, he might have 20,000 fans that like a rap album, but then he drops his other album, his main album, that's an R&B album. <laughs> that's for his main fan base. But he just brought over 20,000 more right. fans that wasn't really messing with him before. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you got to know who your fan is, know who your, your consumer is. And I, I hate to kind of use that word consumer in the music business, but... That's it what is, it is. Like, That's exactly should... what it is because yeah. it's not just music. It's, it's, you know, buying into the entire thing. If you have merchandise, any, any type of merch, any type of experience, you know, just being a part of what that artist has going on. Even yeah. being able to be somebody that people care about what they're, do- what they're doing. Because there's some artists, quite honestly, that the music may not be your thing. You know what I mean? It may be that <laughs> you're able... <laughs> I mean, we're just real. being honest here. Yeah. I'm just keeping it real. Like, you just never... If you're able to connect with people... They'll follow you regardless of what you're doing. You know what I mean? Sadly. So, so it's true though. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. we're so, talking to some some of you, some of you listening, it may not work. <laughs> but Dave, Dave is giving you some options to actually do business because like we're trying to show people, this music business is really about business. Now, music is the, you know, is what you enjoy after you do your business the right way. Right. You know, because a lot of artists that have great product, but it's never gonna get out because their business is bad. So this is exactly. I mean, think about it. Like back in the day, 
you could buy CDs. People are not going to Target or Walmart or there's no CD stores in the mall. Rarely you see that. So they're buying straight off of iTunes, Amazon. If they're not buying, they're streaming it. It takes 15,000 or 1,500 streams to make one right. single. You know what I'm saying? Like, so how can you really win like that <laughs> as an artist if you're just focusing on selling singles? Right. Then you could drop, you better drop albums every every month and, and hope that you start building up the fan base. But then you also got to build other products and different things that people are going to buy into. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, use those other channels. Get a great publicist that's going to put you in, in the right channels so that way you can be seen. Get you in uh, cross, like cross market with other great brands that have similar goals as what you have, right. have but maybe have a different audience. Like you have to get real creative now to kind of give yourself an opportunity to give you some longevity in the, in the business. Uh, you know, you, you, you touched on something that's very important as well. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that they have a target audience mm-hmm. or do they have, they have, they recognized yet that they need to identify what that target audience is so that they can do things like cross market. Cause if you don't know who your customer is, how can you, show the similarities to somebody else's target audience or, or customer. Yeah. So I think sometimes artists, artists get confused of what they want and what they, they should be doing. Right. <laughs> like sometimes artists want to appeal to somebody else that it's, it comes so natural just being themselves. As, as a know? manager, I know yeah. you've heard the, the artists say, Hey, I want to, I want to cater to, Everybody from 18 to 50. You're like, what? Yeah, like 18 to 50? Like, <laughs> <laughs> how does that crowd even mix? Like, how right. do you, like, <laughs> you know, that doesn't, kids, and, and that's the thing, like kids, if you put it with technology, right, or social media, we started off with Facebook, but as soon as we found out our parents were on Facebook, we jumped off that thing. Right. 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 We got on Instagram because it was a new popping thing on, on iPhones and they had filters. But then as soon as our parents got on that, we jumped off that thing. We got on Vine. Same thing. Went to Snapchat. Right. And it's the same thing. Like, you have to be, you have to know exactly who you're trying to cater to. Right. And, you know, you can throw that net out there, but make sure the net is only going to catch the type of fish that you're trying to catch. Right? Don't put that bait that's going to catch everything because you're going to have to make your job a lot harder because now you got to clean off all the other fish that you don't want. It's quite obvious that you have your finger on the pulse. So tell us what's up for, what's next for Inaku. Man, we have this uh, event that we created called the uh, Millennials Brunch. Um, and we we're receiving a lot of, uh, because basically what we did, we kind of created a platform that was to bring millennial influencers together to create a culture of collaboration, right? And honestly, I think I told Crystal this. I was like, I'm about to create, before I really got going and started it, I was like, I want to create something where I don't no longer have to go to these big companies. These companies come to me. Right. And that's what the whole idea behind of how I was going to build this millennials brunch. I wanted to bring all these really dope people who into a room so that way they can collaborate. And everything that I needed was right in the room. Like for this next one, we have someone from like Moxie, from Allied Marketing, from uh, New World Brands that does like most of the big uh, like Oyster and, and a lot of consumer goods. Like, like so now it gives me an opportunity to be in front of the marketing people for all these big brands. And now I have these clients that I'm trying to cross, <laughs> cross market. So it's like I created a product that, or I'm creating a product that is going to be able to have multiple uses. And it's, it's adding value to everyone that comes because now they can collaborate and they can 
um, build. I, I believe, I truly believe that millennials, um, they, they are, are not afraid, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're, right. we're not afraid to, to at least try and then fail. So in 10 years, it's going to be a millennial mayor. And I just look at it like that. Like I want to be in yeah. the room with those, the, the next mayor now. Right. You know, well, and build that relationship, that authentic or organic relationship now. That's crazy you said that because I was having a conversation um, with one of my mentors and we were just talking about all the agencies that are actually closing and shutting down and going out of business because companies are realizing they can cut out the middleman. They can go right to the right to the artist. They can go right to the to, you know, these new millennials that are being able to that are working that the agency is contracting out <laughs> to do mm-hmm. their work. And so, you know, I won't mention some of the names, but some of the guys that we've worked with for years that, you know, have direct ends to Coke or, you know, some of these big companies are now being shut down because they're realizing it's they don't need the middleman. So right. um, what but, you guys but see, I, dis- is- I disagree, though, because I think Intiku, what Intiku provides is the ability to still talk to those people because the people that they're trying to get to, they don't speak the same language at all. And I think Intiku has the ability to do that much better than perhaps the person that you know who had the ends with Coke or whatever. Mm-hmm. It completely revolutionizes the way right. that they now communicate with those millennials because there still has to be a translator. Right, that's true. That's true. So we create, like, and you're absolutely right. So we, like, I can't go to the CEO of Coke in Atlanta. I can't get to the CEO of Chick-fil-A. But I can get to the person who's moving up in the company, that career climber, and I can give them an experience, a valuable experience that they're going to go and talk about to their friends and their coworkers. So now they're going to come to me because they want to know what all their employees are talking about in the break room. And that's how my my approach was to get into the organizations that's here in Atlanta. So that way I can help kind of put some of the initiatives that that really, you know, young people really want want to talk about. And, you know, influencer marketing is becoming big. So like you said, Crystal, like a lot of the, the agencies are going through influencers now, social influencers to kind of sell products. They're not advertising on radio anymore or doing billboards. They're going through social influencers and they're seeing that, you know, in a, with influencers using their voice, they can get a lot more traction than a billboard that they can't really tell if anybody engaged with that right. that billboard. Absolutely. It's it's like a it's a live walking, engaging, you know, billboard. You know, yeah. someone <laughs> an ambassador is powerful. So well, I'm so proud of everything that you guys have going on. I look forward to seeing you guys next month. Thank you, Dave, so much for um for dropping by and dropping so many jewels on our, our listeners today. Man, I appreciate y'all for having me. It's really dope. A platform that you guys have. And I think that you guys are onto something for real, for real. How can people who are interested in supporting get in touch with you? Um, well, they can follow me on all the social medias. It's my first name, Dave uh, Melhado. Um, then they can also contact us on Intecu Group, I-N-T-E-C-O-O Group.com. And um, what about yeah. the brunch? If they want to be, if they want to attend, um, the brunch that you guys do or any events that you guys have, are there pages for, the, I believe there are pages for those as well, correct? Yeah, you can go to intercoogroup.com and it will lead you to the Millennials Brunch website as well. So everything to get in contact with me or any or get involved with anything that we're doing, you can go to intercoogroup.com. Hey Dave, before you go, man, can you uh, talk a little bit about Hack Mob? Hack Mob. Man, so... Later on down the line, I want to be able to create, you know, I went to this, this, this uh, conference and they said, the, a guy from CNN said, his name was Van Jones. He said something that kind of really resonated from, to me. He said in 
10 years or eight years, there'll be a million unfilled tech jobs. But it's simply because like in our community, we're trying to be basketball players, football players. So these young kids are going after the things that only hire 400 people maybe in a, in a year or employ 400 people in a year when right. you have a million unfilled tech jobs. So I really started looking for opportunities to kind of help change that, uh, you know, starting now. And Hack Mob is a really cool uh, program that they created where they basically go into uh, the community, but they use hip hop to kind of influence kids to want to get involved with technology. Um, and I think that what they did, what they created is genius because music influences so much and that's what's going to attract the kids to the technology. And to be honest, like that is what's going to help build up our communities of the future, you know, because these jobs, these tech jobs, it takes, you can get a, a, a coding certificate in six months. It costs $3,000 to get it, three to $5,000 to get it. But then you're out of school making a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you know. So mm-hmm. it changes real problems within our, within our community by really encouraging that now. Yeah. So that's, that's really something important. I'm really passionate about. All right, so we got to put you on the spot, man. You ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Who, who's next? Who's on the horizon? Tell us an artist that you're looking at. It's like, man, that's the next one. Man, the next one. <sighs> There's a couple artists like I I, I like that I, I mean I'm not working with but I, I follow them on social media I think they have great potential. There's an artist named um, uh, Ye Ali. He's from LA. Well, he's from Indiana. I like his creativity and I think that he he has what it takes to be different and for the different kids to really kind of resonate with him as well. But of course, Versus Project is dropping in a couple weeks. Uh, we're gonna put that out independently. So, to all the girls, project will be coming out in a couple weeks. So, search, look for that too. That's that's versus Lane, and it's ever since <laughs> I remember being on the video set with Can I Buy You Around. It's first stays in that lane. Yeah, <laughs> he's a yeah. ladies' man for real. I'm, you can't lose I mean, in that lane. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta stick with what you like. This is what you know, and this is he knows his he knows his fan base. Yeah, <laughs> all right, Dave. Thank you so much for dropping by. Man, I appreciate y'all. Thanks, Dave. I can't keep on losing you over complications. Gone too soon. Wait, we was just hanging. I can't seem to hold on to. Know me best, the key that I won't forget. Too soon, I can't keep on losing you. I can't keep on losing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many mistakes do it take to you leave when I'm left with my hand on my 
face all red in the face looking at you like Wait. I know I ain't a saint if it ain't too late Well, can't keep on I run away so fast but my heart like gold But it break like glass No my shit get old and I act so young Baby, you so cold, never had no son You don't wanna grow up, you the shit no fun So when I get home, I'ma give you some Make you feel like wanna hit that drum You the dick ain't free, I don't get no fucks Yeah, it's complicated, got you frustrated Get home late and you don't trust me, baby You way too drunk Don't know what I'm saying You can drive my car Don't drive me crazy Complicated Got you frustrated Every single night I keep you waiting You say you don't care That's what you're saying We both know that's some bullshit Okay, we be fighting We be reuniting Kiss me, touch me, tease me Me excited Got a devil who is who I'm Trying to get through to you Because I can't keep on losing you Over complications Gone too soon Wait We was just hanging Dave gave us a lot of great jewels. He did. Um, yeah. A lot of good quotes from that for... Um, I think that the listeners should key in on the ideas, though. You know, when he's talking about analytics and metrics, one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, just getting in the game wherever you can. So there's right. a lot of low-hanging fruit, and you have to take advantage of those things, the sound clouds and the YouTubes, and get that data. Mm-hmm. A data is, 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 it really is a cheat code. Well, yeah, it's so important because you it helps you to be able to make better business decisions. Like if you don't know if if you don't know what's going on or where your people are or or who's buying what, like the data. Matter of fact, the data alone is so important, just so that you could follow up with people, right? Right. Just for the follow up and build that relationship. Maybe they buy a t shirt or they buy a hat, mm-hmm. and then you hit them or you tweet them and be like, "Yo, thank you, man. Appreciate that." Well, it's like a it's it it gives you the opportunity, like I keep saying, to cheat because a lot of times it would look like if you don't. Back in the day, in the old days, if you didn't go gold, it could look like you failed, right? right? That was right. kind of like our our barometer. But now if, okay, say you don't go gold, but you know that in the Southeast, you have a strong fan base. You're actually selling. You didn't go quite go gold, but you're almost there and you're very popular in this segment and area. You can go there and create, you know, just right. build up on that, that fan base there. And then, you know, you're able to grow to the point where you could reach something else. Or you could just focus on that segment and you can actually make a living on that. Well, so it... You're saying gold, but honestly, these days, if you're talking about an independent project that's direct to consumer, you don't even need to go gold. You don't. Because gold is 500,000 copies, listeners, for the ones who don't know. Absolutely. And, um, you know, eating off that if you're signed to a label might be difficult. But if you sell 500,000 copies as an independent artist. Let's do the metrics. Let's do the magic on that. Yes, the numbers are amazing. So you don't have to sell even close to gold. If you're doing it on your through your own, you know, your own channels. That's true. And that's not to mention being able to, you know, tour. And I think one of the things that you brought up during the conversation was if you see that you have a, a, a you know, a, a great following in one area, you could show up and, you know, do a show that's going to increase. The, you could the, move to you, there for a little while. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, you could. You could rent a uh, one of those like week hotel, like the the, the extended stay place, get you a three or Airbnb, four week Airbnb, something. Yeah, and, yeah, and and just figure out what's the landscape like in that area. Why am I popping in this area? What is it about this area that I need to bring to my music? Because obviously they feeling me, 
Right. And even if you can't physically go, because I know I've had artists that ironically, they'll, you know, they'll be like, I'm not getting any play in America, but a DJ played my record in China and it's going crazy. The internet and, you know, viral um, digital marketing allows you to reach, to focus on where basically wherever your music or wherever your product is selling or wherever it's being received well. So you could focus on marketing in, you know, overseas, Mm -hmm. which we know a lot of artists do and make really good money. So it allows you really to be able, like I said, to have that cheat code and to go directly to where your fan base is and then to be able to build that fan base from that, you know, from that organic, you know, the real grassroots. It's like a viral grassroots, um, you know, plan now. Right. But what's dope is you get instant feedback too. Yeah. Like, matter of fact, I'll I'll tell a story. I, I remember years, 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 years ago, I put together... I had a single that I was performing around town, right? And then I made a video and put it up on YouTube. But I knew that nation, like worldwide, nobody knew my name. So what I did was I put, matter of fact, I changed the name of my own song and made it Lupe, Lupe Fiasco, right? Lupe was, right. was popping at the time. So I made a Lupe Fiasco. I said it was on, put on YouTube, said it was Lupe Fiasco new record, Right. So people started clicking and, and, and I, I would watch the views climb. And so my numbers started getting, I had 25, 30,000 like overnight real quick, right? And then I'm looking in the comments and people were going, yo, man, that's bullshit that you put Lupe. This is not no fucking Lupe record, <laughs> right. but it's dope anyway. You didn't have to put Lupe. So it right, really their feedback gave me confidence in my own fucking shit because I, I changed the name to try to get some, uh, <laughs> right. to try to get more views, and then when people, when I got the views, people was like, "Yo, you didn't even have to change the name. This shit is dope anyway." Right. I so, think that that uh, uh, Soldier Boy did that, right? Soldier Boy did that and got extremely popular. Um, that was kind of his way of being able to. That was his way of being able to get, you know, get popping back in the day was by mm-hmm. in, in, introducing his songs under the name of other songs that were already popular. But this is even better because, like you said, it just gives you the ability to go straight to those people. If you see five people that are fucking with your record, send those five people your second record. <laughs> Chances are they may enjoy it. But see, but in order to do that, you have to pay attention to the data. Right. And, you know, um, Dave mentioned some things about um, people spending a lot of money and it being in the wrong places. I think that we're kind of turning a corner also in, in that in the, in the industry as, as, an, as a whole. Not too long ago, I remember a lot of labels starting up through drug money or whatever, and the people that were spending the money didn't really care how much money they spent on certain things. So it was just like the labels. It was money on top of bad money on top of bad money on top of bad money. But now you have to be a lot more strategic when you're planning how you spend your $5,000 because it's not... $30,000 budgets yeah. and $200,000 budgets anymore. You got $5,000. What am I going to do with my $5,000 right now to make this thing happen? One, I'm going to get me a website that creates my home for all of my social media and all the things that I got going on. And then I'm going to use that data to find new things to do. It, right. seems, it seems like it's that simple to me. It does, but I think that, you know, and I hope our listeners will take heed to that. A lot of artists are so stuck in that wanting to invest the money behind their song or wanting to invest the money behind radio, you know, because that's been how it's worked in the past. But I think you have to be willing to, I don't know how many people that come to me have a meeting with an artist tomorrow that, 
you know, have a single. They've invested around $45,000 in pushing that single. Radio or just period? Pushing it via radio. But I've always told people you need a focus group because the focus group allows you to know what people are responding to. But you don't even have to hire us to do a focus group. You can set up your own, you know, website and track your own data. And if you don't know how to do it, there's a lot of, you know, how to's online that are free. I mean, I take Instagram classes all the time that are free that teach you how to read the data so that you understand how to reach your, you know, target market. It's, it's, It's out there. You just have to get out of that old mindset of going to radio, getting a song on radio, and then getting signed to a label. We need to kill that kill that thought process. And you weren't here yet, Crystal, but as I've said, and as a few of our guests have said, forty thousand dollars isn't shit. It really is on, on the radio. You're not even you're not even uh, not even a major market. You're, if you were the example that I used for an urban adult contemporary artist, they were going to charge us eighty thousand dollars to do the top twenty five stations in the country. That's only twenty five stations, and it was eighty thousand dollars. So if you go into it, I'm sure I'm assuming this was an urban or a pop record, right? Urban, right. Urban. There's no way you're even breaking anything with forty thousand dollars. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. You're not going to get in front of enough people. It's just not enough. It's not enough butter to cover the bread. And I think <laughs> who was who was our guest? Who was the guest that was um that talked to us about um. The program director selecting songs sometimes weeks before. Taz. So, right, Taz. Taz. David Anderson. David yes. Anderson, right. So, if you if you already have this knowledge because you've been listening to our podcast and you get it, you know that your forty thousand dollars. What is your? There's no such thing as hey, call in and request my record so they'll play it. That's not a real thing. Stop it. Get your forty thousand and put it towards some other ideas. But you have to know where to look. So that means use the data. That's Put it, it first of all in building, you know, a foundation so that you're able to start to collect the data. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that, you know, uh, Dave touched on briefly was that getting a website, even he mentioned using Shopify and different um, different outlets that are already set up that will allow you to sell merchandise. And I know, you know, what we didn't talk about was T-shirts and he mentioned T-shirts, hats, things like that. You can get T-shirts reproduced really, 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 really cheap, you know, and I know even on Instagram, that's one of the things that people, people love t-shirts, they, I don't know why, they're, if they get a free t-shirt, everybody, you know, shows up for it, so, you know, make some t-shirts with your slogan or your logo or, you know, the name of your single and give them away, you know, it's just being, it's being, being smart and being ahead of the curve. Absolute. Matter of fact, I think there's an artist that, yeah, that look was for something else. Okay. But yeah, there's an artist that I know, matter of fact, he got signed not because he was selling a bunch of records, but because label execs showed up to a show where he sold a thousand t-shirts. And they saw the value in that, right? Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, all these labels are, everybody, if you have a deal... Chances are it's a 360 deal. Right. They don't want just your album sales. Right. They want your show money. They want your merch money, so on and so forth. They want all of those different income streams. Right. So maybe your record isn't the greatest, but if you selling a thousand t-shirts in one night, shit, man. Hey, come to my office. (laughs) He can sell. Hell yeah. (laughs) They'll figure it out. Or you at least have money to be able to keep going with your shit to reinvest. That's true. And you know what's crazy is I hear this I hear this argument all the time. Nobody's making any money in the industry. Nobody's making any money. Like, so why would I go out and, and do that, Kevin? Why would I go out and buy those t-shirts? Because ain't nobody making no money in, in music. Man, fuck them naysayers, man. Look, like, <laughs> let me be for real. All right? Because creative people are still making money. Innovative people are still making money. Gucci Mane had a trap museum while he was fucking in jail. Yeah, but is that really Gucci? 
Of course, it's, yeah, it's really Gucci. It's, it's not, not a clone, a, man. It's, it's not. Okay. He looks yeah. like he made a lot of money. I don't know how he did it, but he looks like he made a lot of money. He was on Instagram dancing with his girlfriend. But I agree with, with Brian. <laughs> I agree with Brian. I was having a conversation with one of my uh, colleagues I've known for a long time, a manager that has a really hot um, hip-hop producer. And he was saying, you know, People think that no one's making money in music, but actually a lot of these artists are. They're making money through their streaming. They're making money through different outlets. In different ways. And they're finding ways to be, to really outsmart the label, you know, which is why people are playing, mm-hmm. trying to play catch up. Like they mentioned Frank Ocean, which is hilarious. The label are trying to play catch up, but eventually the creativity, the internet blew everything wide open. Right. So there's no way, basic, there's no way to control the creativity. You just have to be bold enough to trust your project. And I love, I have to repeat what Dave said because, be, don't be afraid to fail. In fact, you should look to fail as many times as possible. And that's hard for a lot of times artists to do because they're sensitive, but you have to be willing to be bold enough True. You know, to fail and, yeah. and figure out what doesn't work so you'll know which direction to go. Hey, but you know what? I had another thought too, man. I just realized labels fucked themselves. They did. They really did. And when they did it was when they stopped developing artists. Yeah. When they stop developing artists, they stop being a part of the creative process. They That's start true. being a part of the brainstorming. Mm-hmm. They stop being invested in artists. And because of that, artists were in their own studios and they were going around to meet all of these different people. They were doing their own development. Right. That's and true. that's when they figured out, wait a second, I, don't need I have you. my own business. Mm-hmm. I, I can do you. my own shit. Yeah. Right. Very and true. so now the artists are, or excuse me, now the labels are trying to play catch up when they had it from the beginning. Same thing happened to radio. They didn't appreciate yeah. it. Same thing happened. Right. Radio used to break records. Like you literally could go to a radio station, become friendly with people and if you had a good product and they'll break your record. Mm-hmm. But they took the pro- they pro- they took that process away from the the program director in that particular station and made it part of Clear Channel or Radio well, 1. But they became or- so greedy. They became so mm-hmm. greedy and even I'll take it a step further, even DJs you know, 10, 12 years ago, DJs, after radio kind of became, you know, unavailable, DJs broke records, and then DJs started charging. Now you don't even need a, a DJ. Host a, a mixtape. It's great right. if you get one, but I could just put my own music out. And a lot of these a lot of these millennials and these new artists, the young people, they don't have any respect for any of that. They're bold enough to do it on their own, and, mm-hmm. and you got you to gotta respect that. So, but here's the problem that that creates, though, because there's a problem here, too. The problem that that creates is that because everybody's doing it themselves, now it becomes really important for you to get above the fray, to to stand out in all the noise. And so that's the issue that I think a lot of people are having now because one side will tell you, hey, what's the tempo of that song that's a hit? All right, let's match that tempo. What are they talking about? All right, let's talk about what they're talking about. How? Do, what kind of voice are they doing in auto-tune? All right, let's put auto-tune on it. And it's like they, they're looking at the formula of it, and they're saying, okay, we're going to make a hit based on that hit. But the other side of it is like, well, man, I really want my music to mean something, but there's so much damn template formula following that you can't even hear my music. And that's where I think that the problem is now is that there's so much out there because it's so readily available. But I, I think that's the I think that what you're talking about is the difference between uh, music being commercial and music being organic. Right. Like when it's organic, it's something that like Drake's sound is something that he developed, he created with his team, and he did what he did with it. Right. right. But when and, and matter of fact, recently I heard a record that Tiger did, of all people. That Tiger did that sounded just like the Drake record. Right. And what I think, and matter of fact, I'm gonna say this too. Did Never quite, before it, has the audience been given credit for being so savvy. 
before they recognize it. Right. Before you could put out anything that sounded like the last thing and people would just go along with it. Right. A lot of times people don't even know the artist name anyway. So like in the, in the case of like Future and Designer, they didn't know the difference. Right? right, because it was so similar. So with something like Drake record and and a Tiger record, it was clear. It was night and day where people were like, oh god, they were immediately rolling their eyes and, and disengage. And I, I think, think he kind of played himself for that. Every time that happens, the rope gets shorter and shorter. Because mm-hmm. consumers are, I mean, people are not stupid. Just like you know, different fads come in and go. If they're not classic, they'll leave. Eventually, the public. Wakes up and it's like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. Right. So some people get away with it, but eventually every person that gets away with it, the the length gets shorter and shorter before right. people turn on it. And I think that that's just an example. Tiger just happened to be at the end of that. You know what's <laughs> you know? funny though, Crystal, about the, you saying that is that I'm I wholeheartedly believe that everything is a remix. Everything that you've has every every chord progression has been played before. Every melody has been done. But I think that. As a publicist, you have to find ways to recreate the same campaign. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a formula that that does work. So when those artists go and they match those tempos and they match the su- the subject matter and they match the the tonal qualities, there's there's some there's some value to that. But, but you have to be have willing to, be, to bring your own flavor exactly. to it. And there's got to be something unique about it. I th- I I personally think that we don't see enough personality. I think because people have so much available to them with social media. There's not a lot of personality in the music, especially in hip-hop, because years ago you used to get, I mean, artists gave you so much of who they were in their music because they didn't get a chance to do that via their social media channels. You know what I mean? So I think that as an artist, you have to be, again, I go back to what I said, you have to be bold enough to really put yourself out there in your music. We've talked about before on this show how the artists that really win are the ones that are really not afraid to be vulnerable in their music and go there. So even if you do have something that's similar to somebody else, it's still going to be your own twist to it. Right. You know, because that's really the key. Of course, everything's been done before, but you should do it different than someone else should do it, you know? So I think you have to be really bold and you have to have a team that believes in you and is willing to really take a chance on doing something. And eventually, if you keep doing it and you're not afraid to get negativity back from some area, um, you will win. But you have to be consistent with it. True. So, look, thanks, guys, for tuning in once again to the 9010 Rule. Make sure you guys are going out to the 9010rule.com. That's spelled out completely. T-H-E-9-0-1-0-R-U-L-E.com. Give us some feedback. Let us know what, what kind of topics you guys want us to discuss. Uh, we can get pretty much any any guest on here, but we need to know what you guys want to know about. So it's important that you let us know exactly what you guys are needing, what you're hungry for. And we're all over social media as well. Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Yo, hit us up. Snapchat. We need to do a Facebook Live one day. We're going to come in here and do a Facebook Live so you guys can tune in yeah, and be see us in the studio. Yeah, that'd be cool. Be, you know, going in on these guys over here. I have my back. <laughs> so do you... How do Crystal you holds our own, y'all. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I'm just the I'm just the damsel that's always ganged up on it. Yeah, yeah, our voice changes. No. She said that. Right, right. That's which is the setup. See, right. Crystal is like, you remember how Sylvester the cat used to chase the mouse, right, and into the l- little box or whatever, right. and then out come the box and be a kangaroo and shit. He'd be like, duh, duh. That's Crystal, yo. So unassuming, and then you ram her up, and she's like, let's go. Right. I think it's time for us to get out of here. And then it's time for us to wrap this up. <laughs> till till next time, y'all. Peace. Visit us at the 9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com.